Greetings, programs, and welcome to another episode of Fan Holes. I'm Justin, and I'll be your host this evening. Joining me tonight is my fellow Fan Hole in the underground world of original comic book art collecting. He is known as <laughs> the Big Bad Booty Daddy, Mr. Derek Crabb. Hey, and, what's up? And joining us tonight, very special guest from Once Upon a Geek, the infamous, the impregnable Shag Matthews. Take it away, Shag. I am so excited to be here, guys. I, I'm longtime friends and podcasters with Derek. I hung out with Justin long enough for him to punch me in the arm, so I feel like we're close now. And uh, I'm really excited to do this. I feel like we've been friends long these many months. Weeks, maybe? Okay, sure. <laughs> enough to fight on, enough to fight online and then have a very awkward lunch where we kind of stared at each other till Trotton's name got brought up. So basically, yes, until I guys, broke the ice. Yes. Basically, you guys can travel around in a TARDIS together. Like you, you're on that level. You know? I feel like we are now. Yeah. Maybe a Colin Baker era type TARDIS, yeah. but yeah. Mm, as long as I don't have to wear a kilt, I'm fine with that. There's just a surprisingly lack amount of hair in our TARDIS, I think. <laughs> but anyway, we are here tonight. We're gathered for a very special reason. We're going to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. And to do that, I decided to round these guys together, and we're going to watch the animated version of The Abominable Snowman. But I'm going to go to Shag first, because I kind of feel like Shag is like the the old-school Doctor Who fan, so I'm just going to get a few things out of the way. Like, what is it about Doctor Who that draws you in, Shag? Because I've seen pictures of your book collection. I know how often you go to Gallifrey One. Like, what is it about Doctor Who that just pulls you in and hasn't let you go? First off, I'm totally attracted to time travel, and I love the fact that Doctor Who is different every episode. It's a mystery one week, it's a comedy the next, it's a it's an adventure story the next, it's a historical the next. I love the variation, and I love a rich, long, long, long history of stuff you can dive into. I mean, when I was a kid, and I first got into Doctor Who, it was already 20 years old. And when you're a kid, that is an infathomable amount of time in history, right? That was crazy. So it excited me back then to have had all this history I could dive into. And even now I love it. So that's the attraction for me. And also a person who goes out there and tries to do the right thing. You know, that's kind of a nice role model nowadays, you know, in a world that's not that friendly to everybody. Somebody who's out there who's trying to do the right thing is kind of nice to get wrapped up in. Never cowardly or cruel. Aww. So when you and I were first discussing like what animation to watch, I think, uh, you know, we we're trying to figure out like what to watch and involve Derek with. I think you were the one who suggested the Bonneville Snowman. What was it about that that drew you to that story? Because like I think for me, like knowing Derek, I was leaning towards like Evil the Daleks or Reign of Terror, but you kind of suggested Abominable Snowman, and I was like, okay, let's just go with that. 
Well, uh, if I have to go back and look at our chat thread, I think I said Evil of the Daleks for Derek's sake, but for me, it was a case of uh, I'd never seen the Abominable Snowman animation, so really, it was a ah. it was a selfish motivation of I'd never, <laughs> I'd never made the time to watch it, and I, you know, the the story holds so much like mystique and cachet because you know it's the first one with the Yeti, it's the first one with the Great Intelligence, and then you get Web of Fear, and Web of Fear is amazing because it launches Unit, and then, then later on, it leads to those Matt Smith episodes, which were honestly pretty middling but it's a it's a huge component and um oh there's a whole bunch of like expanded fiction surrounding the great intelligence all the stuff so the, i i love the yeti i think they're one of the greatest monsters and i quite frankly just wanted to watch it so eh, i guess selfish reasons so what was your first encounter with the abominable snowman was it the loose cannon reconstruction the target novelization like do you remember what it was yeah, it's back in the 1980s, uh, I had a good friend named Simon who we hung out and did everything together. We were massive Doctor Who fans together. We collected Target books. We competed to buy Target books. And I read his copy of The Abominable Snowman. I don't remember anything about it at all. I just remember Tibetan Mountains and, you know, Big Puffy Jacket. I mean, that's really all I remembered. But so I'd read the Target novel. Then I, um, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I saw the missing episode, episode two. I have the Lost in Time DVD set. It's where they took all the Patrick Trotton stuff that had been lost at that point and kind of collected the existing bits and bobs they had. So I saw the the one episode that still existed. But other than that, I mean, I I just knew the story from so many years of reading about the Yeti and all these various stories I'd read. What about you? Had I, what's your story with the uh, Abominable Snowman? I watched the uh, reconstruction first, and I gotta say, like I. Back in 2009, when I really got into Doctor Who and was diving into, like, the classic stuff, like, mm-hmm. I kind of learned early on to, like, save Reconstructions for last because I tried <laughs> to watch one. And I was like, oh, this is okay. Well, it's better than not existing, I guess. So, like, I think Abominable Snowman might have been the f- – it's definitely one of the first second Doctor Reconstructions I watched. But I was like, okay, like, I've heard this is really good or it's supposed to be, so I'm going to watch it. And I gotta, I gotta be honest. Like some of those reconstructions are rough. Like I'm sure, <laughs> I, I'm sure Marco Polo is great, but I've only ever sat through the reconstruction once, and I felt like that was a Herculean effort because I'm just like, oh man, this is still going. How many more episodes is this? Six. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I, can I share real quickly about the reconstructions myself? Of so. course. Go ahead. All right, let me put it this way. I'm going to share. How's that? So um, <laughs> I, my first exposure to, well, I call them telesnaps or reconstructions, whatever was, I bought the Ice Warriors uh, VHS tape. came in a big clamshell. It was so exciting because it came with a CD, an audio CD, where you could listen to the missing episode. But they did a abbreviated telesnap on there, a reconstruction, and that was so boring and so dry. <laughs> and I hate it. I'm like, wow, that is rough. Then I, I back in the days of downloading stuff, you know, uh, you know whatever mm-hmm. – all the various programs we used to use. I downloaded Macro Terror and Wheel in Space. And I was so excited. Like, dude, I, I burned these to like a, I don't know, whatever, you, whatever those old, C, whatever the CDs you could play on your DVD player. I can't even remember now, but this, I burned the, it like the VCDs. It's something like that. Yeah. Where you put it as an MP4 file and you could play it. I, anyway, I was so excited. I, and I tried to watch Macro Terror and I tried to watch Wheel in Space. And I, I swear, hand in the air, I fell asleep every single <laughs> time I tried uh... to get through these things. Um, I forced myself recently to watch the Celestial Toymaker telesnaps just to get ready for the 60th anniversary. Oh, but there, that, it, that's rough too. It is, but you know, some dude did a custom animation of episode one, mm-hmm. and it is 
It's not on YouTube, and it is damn good. So I watched yeah. the custom animation of part one. I watched the two telesnaps, and then I watched part four, which was you know really existed, and that's the only way I could get through it. But those telesnaps, oh my gosh, so hard. Like telesnaps, more like telecraps, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so do you know how these things existed, Derek? Do you know anything about these uh, reconstructions? Uh so so yes, I know. I know all about them. I, I, I think I tried to watch like, you know, ten minutes of one and I told okay. Justin, fuck this. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm skipping all of these. Like, no thank you, whatever. So look, most of my Doctor Who history has been documented on this podcast, right? If if I am dead inside, the love I share for Shag and Justin is is why I watch the Doctor Who I have watched, right? And like and like I enjoy it, right? Like, don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed you know what I've watched, but uh, you know I I tried you know you know I don't know. It's like my boss sometimes says he's like, oh dude, you you have the approach to like you know you take a bite out of the elephant and then just keep working on it. So like basically, you know, I, I watched like things that were simple to watch. You know, I watched the Eighth Doctor movie because I'm like, okay, it's a movie, like it's not going <laughs> to kill me, right? You know, I I, I watch things like that uh, for some ungodly reason. Tony planted the idea in my head I should be watching the Colin Baker years. So I watched a lot of those. Right. God. And the reason the reason why I bring that up is I found it fascinating because I think, you know, Justin had me watch a lot of the new who era. And so the new who era was what I finished or caught up with first. Right. Because it was kind of more modern. And then in the background, you know, I did start with Hartnell and I started slowly Basically, it was like I went from Hartnell and I've been trying to bridge the gap between Hartnell and Colin Baker ever since Justin got me to watch Doctor Who. Right now, I finally made it to Tom Baker. Right. So 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 basically, like I'm 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 closing the gap. So at some point I can say, regardless of all these telecraps, like. (laughs) I have seen, you know, I could say, oh, I've seen all of, you know, that that's available of of Doctor Who, right? And, you know, I guess with this, I I was like kind of trying to recall because it's like I, you know, I sometimes I watch a lot of these in mass and I don't, you know, I don't remember all the details, but I was like I sort of remembered this abominable snowman thing and I I looked back and I was like, oh yeah, there was one you know, there was one episode that you could actually watch that was not a telesnap, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm a so like when it came time for that, like I, I treated it like uh, buying a, a you know four part comic story off the spinner rack, and you only got to read issue number two of the four parts. You know what I mean? Like I was just oh, like, yeah. I'll I'll watch that, and the rest of it, ah, the hell with it. You know, because I'm not watching those. I'm not watching those things, right? Not not the little still photos and them talking and all. No, I'm not I'm not doing it. Right. <laughs> um, then I noticed what you guys were talking about. And admittedly, I'm I'm very bad at this because I, I I'm not you know, I, I, I'm not well versed enough to know. Like, you know, that's why I was like, what am I watching? What, what you know, what 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 did they make an animated version of? What haven't they made an animated version of and this and that? So I'm I'm open to guidance, just like I'm open to guidance on, you know, tell me what audiobook to listen to and I'll listen to it or whatever, right? And and so I basically I watched this and then I remembered, oh yeah, I watched the second episode of it. M- my recollection is, and you guys will have to back me up on this, because like I said, not super well versed, but the 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 reason why the snowmen stood out to me is they were they were in the first 
Leftbridge Stewart arc, yeah. right? Like yep. like where where and it was still Troughton and 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 the, they were going through like the subway or something like that. So since I think I got to watch more of those episodes in sync, I don't remember if some of those were telesnaps or some of them weren't, but I, I seem to recall that more distinctly because I feel like I watched a good number of of the serial in sequence and and felt like, oh, I remember these guys. Like, you know, and then I appreciate you mentioning how some of the elements of this found its way into new who because I'm I, I barely remember the connection to it. So so you pointing that out kind of makes me think like, oh, I guess, you know, I, I, I didn't tie all that stuff together. And unfortunately, I was trying to explain to you guys and I'll talk about this later because I'm talking too much. But I think I made connections where there were no connections. And so I'll explain what I thought was a connection. Like I made two big connections that I was like, is this a connection? And then the more I watched it, I was like, no, I'm just a dumbass. Like there's no connection here. I, I thought it was something and it wasn't, but I'll, I'll tell you guys about that later and you can laugh at me. So. Oh, I got a wild guess. Cause I used to get two things confused as a kid all the time. Okay. Okay. What's, what's your wild guess? Well, okay, so I used to get the great intelligence from this episode of Omnal Snowman and Web of Fear very confused with the nesting consciousness, which was the, the uh, Pertwee episodes with the Autons, the plastic dudes, and the, guy, oh, the, the okay. mannequins. I used to get okay. those two because they're both this like weird consciousness out in space that was trying to get its butt down to Earth and take over the Earth. So it's like I used to get those confused a lot. So even though I know that... Uh... Uh, Delgado is the master in the Pertwee era. That I kept is the, calling. The, that's the master, all capitalized. The right. master. I, I get it. I get it. But they keep calling this guy master. So uh, that that was the one thing you can point and laugh at me at because I'm sitting um, there going, I'm I'm going like, uh, wait, why why are they calling? I'm like, is this? I, I, I was like, am I not well versed <laughs> enough in this shit? Like, did I miss something in a telesnip that was like, is this a proto version of the master? And and I'm like, I'm like, and then eventually, like, you know, I kind of was like, no, I'm just a dumbass. Like, this can't be the there's there's no connection here, right? And so that was my first. Like, they kept calling a master, and then I was like, well, no, he's the great intelligence, and this and that happens, and I'm like, okay, this must be a totally separate character. Like, I I just need to ignore that they keep calling a master, and then the other thing that made me trip balls on this was like, I very recently made the transition from Pertwee to Tom Baker. And that last, I think it was the last Pertwee arc. They had all these guys just like these guys in this, mm. this abominable snowman thing, all these guys from the monastery, like everybody, you know, all these British guys uh, running around doing this, you know, Fu Manchu shit, you know, running around <laughs> like very, very Sally and all this fucking horse shit. Right. And so, so they, they've got the same thing going on in that as they do in this. And so I'm kind of like sitting there going, okay, wait, there's all these monks. And then, and, and, I may be phrasing it awkwardly, but I'm doing it on purpose so you guys can laugh at me and correct me and do the Doctor Who, like, we love Doctor Who and this is how it actually is thing. But, like, so in the in the Pertwee thing, there's the, the, the they introduce the concept that the, the, I think they use the term, right? Like, I don't, I don't even know what the Tibetan monk term is, but, like, one of the, the main guys that the, the abattoir or the whatever they call them. Like, I, I don't even know, but like the, it's like the main head monk guy, the abbot. And, and the abbot. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. So they called 
the the main guy in this, the Abbott, and then there was the Abbott in the Pertwee stuff, and then it turned out the Abbott in the Pertwee stuff was a Time Lord, and he like re uh, generated himself, and he turned into like some other dude, and that you know basically they they were trying to illustrate something in that series of episodes, but because that was so fresh in my mind, because I just recently made that transition from Pertwee to Tom Baker. I started wondering, like, I'm like, wait, is this Abbott a Time Lord? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, well, like he was, I, he was like, he was 300 years old and was friend, old friends with the Doctor, so I could see it. Yeah, yeah, it, I was, you're, I, you're, I, you're retroactively creating continuity. You're retconning, so I get right, it. right. I, I was trying to like figure out, like, wait, is this is this also a Time Lord, or is the, or, or for me, this is where you can point and laugh at me. I was like, is that the same Time Lord? You know, which I guess it's obviously not, right? But like, like I, I started wondering, wait, am I supposed to be making a connection here? And that's that that was the other sort of big goofball thing that I was trying to like invent connections to where there clearly was no connections to be, be found. Right. I, so. I think it's more like the Stanley effect where they know their audience ages out. So every few years they can just pull on old plot threads and use them again. And they're, they're like, noticing. let's use the old Abbott monk plot. Cause it <laughs> right, was exactly. so exciting the <laughs> first time. I'll get myself in trouble and say uh, planet of spiders, which is what you're talking about. I like, I hate like 80% of that episode. Mm, okay. Um, which okay. which will get me in trouble with a lot of nerds, but no, 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 that, that that's fine. I mean, I I I I enjoyed what I was watching. Like, I I'm I'm happy. I'm you know working my way through it or whatever. But I was I I I found that Abbott's regeneration awkward. But like, mm-hmm. other than that, like, I mean, I wasn't like, I don't know. I was just yucking it up with the fucking spiders, dude. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care. I, I thought it was I thought it was funny. Those telesnaps, they've taken some of the, instead of doing telesnaps, and you can get the audio of the story, uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll throw in like a, you know, like, like for example, Evil the Daleks, they did an audio version of it, and you'll get a little bit of narrator being like, because there's like a seven-minute fight between Jamie and this dude, so they'll be like, Jamie and the guy continue to fight, and they'll just, like, that's what they do, but um, the I find the audios a thousand times easier to listen to than watching mm-hmm. the telesnaps, okay. which is weird. Okay. It seems counterintuitive, but it, the telesnaps are just... They're they're mind numbing and immediate. They're they're stronger than Nyquil or 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 uh, Ambien. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense to me because I mean, I I feel like the people that save those that preserve those, right? They 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 come from home audio recordings, and I feel like I I didn't do that with like entire episodes of things, but like I I used to make myself like mixtapes of like favorite scenes and moments and and it was like it was like interspersed with a bunch of stuff so i'd have like you know some cool dark side clips from superman the animated series or some cool <laughs> clip from deep space nine that i dug or or whatever it was and i just keep doing it and and you know sometimes it'd be interspersed with like you know buffy musical numbers or whatever it was but the, the point was it was just this mixtape of stuff that at the time wasn't officially on CD or there was no reason for, you know, uh, little clips to be on CD, but I enjoyed, I don't know, revisiting it that way. And I imagine that was the whole point of, you know, they didn't have VHS tapes so that they would get up next to the TV set and turn on the tape recorder. And that was how they, they relived uh, their excitement. Right. Like, so, I mean, I, I, to me, I guess it almost, it, it makes more sense that that listening to them as audio adventures 
would be more interesting than like I guess you, you know what it reminds me of is like you know there there were those periods where people would say oh this is an enhanced podcast and I've made those before and it's like you know you try to make them as interesting as possible but like you know the the these telesnips it's like there's what can you do you know what i mean like it's just it's just a still photo and it's a grainy bad still photo and it's like okay like great like it it it's trying to give you an idea of what's going on but it's almost more infuriating you know like that <laughs> that presentation than than an odd because the audio thing like maybe maybe you could use your imagination you know like maybe you can can fill in the blanks and 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 not have it be you know so frustrating. But I I feel like the the, the you know the, the like the Marco Polo thing just you know you're just like oh I was like is this a tele oh it is you know and you're just like okay great like I I can't I can't I, do this. You know? I, I have to say thank goodness they I think I'm so excited they exist and I'm so excited that fans like the Loose Cannon Group put mm. this stuff together. It's an amazing accomplishment. That's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's like potato salad. It's amazing that it exists and people love it. It's just not for me. <laughs> but 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 it's it's cool like that you guys can point out to me like, oh, here are some of the ones that they, they tried to make animated because, I you know, look, I know what you guys like. I, I know I well, I, I feel like I know. Right. Like like this was not. This was not the most fluid and easiest watch. Like, yeah. like for for something that we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary, this was not this this was not something that you just uh, lapped up like a, a, a you know a cat with a saucer of milk. Like this was more just kind of like oh, it's my vegetables, you know, like kind of like oh okay, well I guess I got to eat this, but you know you you're kind of like you know just middling away at them or what whatever you're doing, right? And like, I get that, but I also kind of like the direction you were going in that, that it's just, it's cool that you have it as an option, right? Like, like it's cause otherwise I don't, you know, otherwise I think I would have just been content with having seen the second episode of this that was, you know, live action and preserved and just never bothering to watch the rest of them. And it's like, okay, so I've seen, you know, now, now I can say, oh, well, I've seen a version of of the entire thing. And I think I, I, I know I saw another, uh, Troughton, uh, animated reconstruction, but I, I feel like I've had this conversation with Justin like a million times and he's going to yell at me cause I, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the thing where like, what was it? Was it like he came, he came to the, some planet and, and oh, was, oh, is it that doctor episode where they land on a planet and then they get separated and then some, some they get in trouble and the, and the companions are in peril. Yeah. That never happens. Yeah. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I was trying to think of something specific about it. It was like, help him out, like, Justin. He's really struggling. Shag, have you ever seen that episode of Gilligan's Island where, Island where they almost get off the island, but Gilligan screws it up at the end? You ever seen <laughs> oh, that, that one? <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's just like the episode of three's company where there's a misunderstanding. And Jack and Chrissy are thinking two different things about the same situation. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that one. <laughs> See, this was this was unexpected. That this is what you guys are going to ride my ass about. But, but that's fine. <laughs> like you can you can do that. You can go with I'm this. Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, 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 no. I'm I'm like uh, I'm, finish, I'm trying finish to your, think. Finish your thirty minute TED talk. It's okay. No, 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 I'm, I'm just. Uh, it, what the fuck was he doing? <laughs> like. There's only Dude, so many. <laughs> well, it was like okay, it was it was in black and white. 
Okay. Was, I mean, it was definitely talking. animated in black and white. It was not Arkansas. animated in color. I think it's. Is it? Is it like the power of the Daleks? Sure. Like, I I that, think I think that's what. So I I think I think that's what I. Yeah, this must have been it. Because because isn't isn't that like th- that was the whole thing where like there wasn't much of a transition or something like that. Or, that was the very that was the very first Troughton episode. Okay. And when they animated yes. it, it was a really big deal because it was the first time any of us really got to see that first story of Troughton, which yes. was important to all of us. And they okay. even released it in the movie theaters. I went and saw it in the movie theater. By the way, fell asleep. Uh, anyway, I did, I did, that, no, 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 no. I now I remember because I remember you saying you saw that, and I remember watching it. But I did not watch it in the movie. But but I I did I did watch it because I was like, oh yeah, this is important. Like this is the first time you know that anybody's really seen this or whatever. So yeah, that's absolutely what it was. So I guess I all, all I'm trying to say is like I, I have some experience with the animated things, and I was. Let me just say, as far as like celebrating a 50th anniversary and being appreciative, 60th. that's 60th. Okay, 60th anniversary and being appreciative that 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 these things exist. Like that reconstruction, I thought. Like, I mean, I know it was hard for me to remember it, but like I remember enjoying having the opportunity. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. that, that that it was engaging the, the the decisions they made, like the way things were. I don't know, shot and 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 uh, the way they attempted to match it with the existing audio seemed like they 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 put some thought into it. But having said that, with this, I feel like there's like lots of um, like wide shots. Like like yes. it feels like I'm watching an episode of South Park. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like where everybody's just the abominable snowmen are like little South Park animatics, and they're just kind of like duper 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 duper. It's like Chef, like come on, childrens, and like the the abominable snowman's just kind of like moving back and forth and there's like i mean maybe maybe in the actual episodes that's true too because it's these guys in these these suits and maybe they're not threatening in the suits because they look fuzzy and whatever but like i just i i don't know it just well here i I think i think i think i can sum it up for you because i have a ted talk on that particular topic so before you move off i want to talk about that for a second so i've watched a lot of these animations right and i would say the the artistry has really improved like some of the earlier ones, Troughton didn't exactly look like Troughton. He looked like a caricature of Troughton. Here, he looked like Troughton. They did a really good job mm. artistically capturing his likeness. A lot of the other characters looked great. So the but the animation itself is they to save money. They're basically doing flash animation exactly like South Park, like you mentioned. That's how they save money. And the thing that's lacking, and I couldn't figure it out uh, until I watched the whole thing through, and then I got out my Lost in Time DVD and I watched the the existing episode two. I'm like, okay, let me watch a, you know, the animation, then watch the the existing episode, and I figured it out because it's exactly what you said. It's a lot of long shots, right? You see the whole like set, and the, and it's static; it doesn't move, and all the characters, you know, as you said, move around on there. And that's again, it's to save money. I get it, but when you watch the actual recording of episode two that still exists, they vary the camera angles all the time. They do tons mm-hmm. of close-ups. I mean, mm-hmm. it is really engaging, actually. Uh, my, my wife was in the room. She hated the animation, by the way. She was on her iPad the whole time. She's like, oh, this is awful. But when I watched the, the single episode, she's like, oh, I get it. This is much better. So the actual episode, a, a lot more moving around of the camera, and that makes a world of difference. So in some respects, these animations, they're really great, and I love them, and I, and I am a big fan of them. Uh, but it does feel like it's a little bit like a fancier telesnap almost. Um, that's just kind of my yeah. take on that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. some of them are more successful than others. And like the, 
the thing that gets me is like the style changes a lot. Like for me, like I prefer the aesthetic of like Invasion or yes. Terror or the Tenth Planet. Like it, it feels maybe a little too shaded sometimes, but that that kind of adds to the black and white feel of it. Like like what we just watched, you know, the Bondal Snowman. Like I feel like it's a little too cartoony. Like especially the Yeti. Like. They're just like these little overweight Ewok looking things. I mean, like the live action suit, like they're slow and lumbering, but at least they have like a low budget charm to them that you can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's like they're like color forms. That's what they feel yeah. like. Yeah. They feel like because all the lines are really thick and they just like Derek said, they move around. I think Derek's exact words were burp, 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 move around. Yeah. That, and, that's uh, exactly how they move. <laughs> and so yeah but invasion which was done by an entirely different studio that was done by uh-huh. a, a studio called cosgrove hall and, and that was great but apparently mm-hmm. the, the thing was they just couldn't afford that level of animation which is why they moved to flash um so and again i, I feel like i'm bashing it but i'm like i'm so glad these things exist now yeah. i mentioned i mentioned i fall asleep during the telesnaps i fell asleep during this one at least three times it took me <laughs> days to watch this May, part of it's because i'm an old man and i sit down on the couch and i fall asleep though one of the things I didn't like about this animation is Padma Sandvabha. Like, he, he feels like a cartoon character. Like, everyone else, you can see that they're based off of someone that actually exists. But he feels like a cartoon character. He's got gray skin. He's got that crooked mouth. And, you know, you were talking about, like, thick animation lines. Like, mm-hmm. when there's a close-up of his hand on, like, the the Yeti, like, chest piece, like, it's so black and bold and thick i'm just like get off that like zoom out to like another shot or something like get away and i'm like what are the why why would you do that like you're just you're telling us like this is a cartoon i'm like i don't i don't want you to tell me it's a cartoon like make me make me buy into some other like form of the fantasy like i don't want to be confronted with it so first off massive props to you for being able to say that guy's name i mean that's mad (laughs) mad props to you so i (laughs) I'm all, I'm with Jamie who called him like Pat a thingy or whatever Jamie said in the episode. That's where I am. Best um, companion ever. Oh, he's great. Jamie. He's great. But I, yep. I'll, I'll take the opposite opinion. I actually found them deviating from the existing material and doing something different. Kind of cool. Like I, and mm. I, your point of view is absolutely merited and worthwhile. I just kind of like, I guess I was so, you know, like this, in the, this isn't the animation's fault. The story's kind of dry. Uh, like I was so done by like episode three. I'm like, okay, some weird kind of comic booky superhero stuff going on here. Oh, the dude's floating now. He's got green glowing eyes. Okay, so I, I actually found that bit a little interesting, even though I totally get your point of uh, what you're saying. Since I, I never suffered that. through the telesnap, like, what d- does he look like? Something, or is it always he, just like a dark black room and some ominous voice or something? He's got like kind of like old man almost makeup kind of right okay. like yeah yeah so it's not anything like it's not anything dramatically scary at all it just yeah, so, it looks like kind of bad old man makeup so so yeah. he looks he looks more like uh, you know uh, the sensei from uh, from Neil Adams Dead Man and Batman or something like that <laughs> instead of looking like like Snoke from uh, episode Witcher McCall it or whatever right, right. <laughs> okay. It looks like uh, Biff Tanner from uh, Back to the Future 2 or something like that. <laughs> so, Shag, like, what do you think of the second Doctor in his area? Like, is this a is this an era you revisit often? Like, like I think I told you, like, if I want to just, like, chill out and watch some Doctor Who, like, I usually go back to, like, the first and second Doctor era. But, like, for you, like, if you just want to chill out and relax and watch Doctor Who, like, who is your go-to Doctor? If you made me just pick one, it's probably the fifth doctor. 
because okay. he was the doctor when I started watching. I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to say 40 years ago, I was there. I watched The Five Doctors when it aired the first day, like on the 20th anniversary. And now here I am at the 60th anniversary. I'm older than dirt. Um, but even though The Fifth Doctor is like my favorite, I, I would say if you if you made me rank them all, I mean, The Fifth and The Second Doctor are at the top. I love Patrick Trouton. I love his portrayal. I love, you know, you and I were chatting before we got started. Tomb of the Cybermen's fantastic. I love Moonbase, like ridiculously love Moonbase, like unhealthily. I I read a lot of the Trouton books growing up. Part of it was that fascination with, oh, these don't exist anymore. You know, oh, this is exciting. It's like an uncovered treasure. So when they found Tomb of the Cyberman, I lost my mind. And when they found Web of Fear, I lost my mind. When they found Enemy of the World, I lost, you know, lost my mind. So uh, I watched that. The two, I think, I owned the two on VHS earliest was Tomb of Cyberman and, um, Seeds of Death and uh, the the Ice Warriors episode. And I just watched those over and over and over. So he is so much fun. And I totally get why Matt Smith, when they sent him tapes of the original series to to look at and review, he watched Patrick Troughton's portrayal in Tube of the Simon and said, that's who I want to base my portrayal on. That's my starting point. Now, he, he did a lot of different stuff, but he said, that is the inspiration for me. And I get it because Patrick Troughton is he is so amazing in the role. That's one of the things I think is limited by the animation. It's like a lot of times it feels awkward, like the characters are just kind of standing around because you've got the telesnap to go by, but you don't quite know like how the character is moving. And then like I feel like a lot of Troughton, his acting is in his face. So, yes. so if you don't have that, it makes it really weird. It's like you can hear someone moving and walking, picking something up. And then like sometimes there's a disconnect because you hear someone moving and no one's moving it's just like a close-up on the doctor or something and i'm like do something like clearly this isn't matching up i'm like and you're also like you're not getting any of that facial acting through the animation they did a little bit to their credit they, they tried did a little bit yeah they did a little yeah. more this time than some of the previous like power of the uh power of the daleks is is pretty flat for his face yeah here they did a lot more but still, like when I watched the existing episode too, though, I mean, it was like, it was like, uh, I don't know, angels sang every time Trouton's <laughs> eyebrows would go up or he'd roll his yeah. eyes or whatever. I'm like, oh, he's so good. So I, I know, I know both of you like were kind of skirting around like how brutal you wanted to be with this story. So <laughs> I'm like, Derek, if you didn't like the story, go ahead, open up, be brutal, like be honest. No, no, no. I mean, look, look, the, I, I think the things that are positives about it, like I, I, I was trying to think of how to quantify this. Like, like I know you guys love Troughton and I like Troughton. I think like Hartnell, so many of his episodes are lost and damaged. I, I, I find that really sad and unfortunate as well. But having said all that, I, I kind of feel like like uh, see, I, I have a reference and it's going to make like zero sense to you because it's a guy I went to college with or whatever. But I, I feel like it, it's like it, it, it's like if 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 I was casting people that I went to university with, like in the drama club or whatever we called it, you know, in, in our in our department. Right. And at some point they were like, oh, well, th- this is going to be Derek's season to be the doctor. Right. That would be, a, 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 you know, a a very specific, you know, type of doctor. Right. And and then if you looked at somebody that, say, had the capacity to be Mary Poppins, but was a man. Like that to me is like 
like Troughton, where it's like there's there's something about him that's whimsical, magical, but also like there there's a something that is is not there's some buffoonery, you know, like, and, and mm-hmm. like, 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 you know, that the wins and the success, there's like some happenstance to how things happen. And so it, it made me think of like, you know, one of these guys I went to college with who was, you know, very uh, musically theater inclined, like kind of roly poly guy, like whatever, but, but, but had these big puffy cheeks, a, a wonderful smile, like that, the kind of person that would be this kind of, uh, you know, like customer servicey, you know, the, a person that would be like the, the greatest, uh, what do they call them at Disneyland? Like the, the greatest, uh, uh, I forget yeah. what they call those guys. Oh, the, the, the like the cast members. Yeah. The, like one of, one of the most, he, he'd be like the cast member that would be like super inviting, like, like, you know, try to make everybody feel good, but maybe th- th- there would be no, like if, if you stepped out of line at Disneyland, he would not be the one to be like, no, 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 you get back in line. Like, like there'd be no enforcement, but, but, but it would be all this kind of like clever, cleverly, you know, composed way to sort of, you know, let's, let's switch this around. So it's working to our advantage. Like, it, you know, it's like, he, he, he you know, the Troughton doctor to me just seems like it's, it's all about, you know, let's be as clever as we can be. Let's be as thoughtful as we can be and let's massage the situation. And, and maybe by sheer, you know, accident, we'll, we'll trip over ourselves to, to sort of save the day. But like, I, I never really, you know, I, I think that's why, you know, it's that dichotomy that was in the early episodes kind of because Hartnell was so old Right. That they they it's like, oh, well, the, the one of the male companions is going to be the action guy, the young guy, the guy that gets into the fights with the Aztecs or whatever it is. Right. And that's what Jamie's there for. Jamie's the one who, you know, w- when the snowman comes in and they they dump the the whole you know, cave on top of them or whatever, that that's Jamie's job. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like and that I think that's why for me, that's why I respond so favorably to to jamie because i'm like oh dude he's got a kilt he's a scottish guy he's gonna whoop some ass like all that stuff like speaks more to me like oh thank god jamie's here to like you know drop some some caverns on these snowmen or whatever or or come up with the i mean he's the one that's like oh let's let's capture this goofy ewok looking south park (laughs) hey children's fucking snowman in the net right and then they all beat his ass with fucking Which is the most awkwardly animated thing you've ever fucking seen, it right? Is. That's that's yeah. the bash thing. But but I guess my point is like that is indicative to me of uh, Jamie's the gonna be the guy that takes decisive action. Like like there there's even some line where he, he runs off with Victoria and he's like, oh let's let's leave this to Jamie. You know what I mean? And and it's just like. I, there, there's certain versions like dude pert we would never fucking do that shit you right. know what i mean like like no way would he leave it to some other it's like dude he'd get in his wacky fucking car mobile or whatever the fuck that was <laughs> and he'd fucking bust out his his cluck foo fucking karate shit or whatever <laughs> and, and, and he'd fucking do this uh, man himself you know? Cluck lore, thank you very much. <laughs> right, right, right. Whatever, whatever. You know, like so, so that's. But like, see, that's the thing, right? I'm just like, 
you know, so to me, it's like there, there's certain things just inherent that that to me are, you know, not exactly like my personal cup of tea. But I understand conceptually like what, you know, how this version of the doctor you know, serves the plot. Like he's the one who is intellectual and under, he's the one that figures out like, Oh, they have a control, you know, uh, you know, ball or whatever it is. And when we, when we take it out, you know, it, look, it, it, it goes back to them and this is, this is how they work. And he puts all that together. So he's the one who's like basically the brains of the operation and he's taking care of everything. But I mean, as far as like, being negative like like you know i don't know shag and 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 luke jack and nettie and uh, you know everybody the fighty fighty run run or the the you know the the second third fourth and fifth episodes are just them walking through halls back and forth like the the trope of the doctor who episode like this yeah. isn't even like them walking through halls this is them walking back and forth through monasteries and boring ass fucking plains of the yeti in the middle of tibet or whatever and it's like that that kind of stuff like i get why shag fell the fuck asleep like because it's like <laughs> you're like what i mean that that's the thing about this is like like it's it's hard for me to like convey like what the fuck happened like it's like they come to the monastery there's there's this big tall guy who's not tall in the actual episode but they make him big and tall and this goofy lummox looking lurch guy but if you watch the actual episode he's not really that tall or whatever and he's all about you know finding the 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 yeti and he thinks they're real and first he thinks they're out to hurt them and he wants revenge or whatever his deal is and he suspects like the doctor and all the i you know it's like it's like they're getting accosted before they even come through the front door of the damn monastery and then like in between there then then they're there kind of like a regular doctor who episode where they're completely fish out of water or out of place and they sort of have to prove themselves in that environment. And then, you know, it's like at least the one young, uh, monk warrior guy, like, cause you know, Victoria's hot as fuck. Like he's, he's, he's kind of sweet on her. And at least there's some understanding of like, you know, he knows that they're not out to do them any harm and they're just there to like, you know, uh, you know, help, right? Like that, that there's, there's no nefarious angle to why they're there. Whereas I think everybody else in that building has like, what, what is your artillery motive? Like, are you going to do something with your big, bad bow tie Trouton or whatever? Like, why, why are you here? And they, they have all this opposition and like, it's funny, like the, the people that are the bad guys in this are like, not the fucking snowmen. It's this fucking, Tibetan bureaucracy bullshit. It's like watching, like if all the prequels were, were um, the Nemodian trade fucks and all, <laughs> did, all you did was watch like Jedi, like, can we go fight this space battle? I do not know. I do not think you should. Uh, space battle. Are you sure you're trying to help? Cause I don't know if you're trying to help, you know? And it's just like, okay, like, like this is, you know, and then and then I guess I don't know. Maybe the animation saves them from some of this stuff, but I'm I'm sure some of the portrayals are a little, you know, kind of like the Nemodians. It's kind of a little like, okay, this is a little fucking weird, oh, yeah. right? Like, you know, so it's like there, there, there's all that episode, you know, that that stuff that's like either either tough to watch in hindsight or tough to watch through, you know, like we said, the sort of. A wide shot presentation without any variation and then and then just getting getting over like okay 
like this could have taken like two episodes to tell this story, but they stretched it out into six like that. I think that's the ultimate sort of indignity or disservice. Like if there was more of a reason to, I don't know, focus on the, the snowmen and I don't know if there was something, some reason why the mystery behind the great intelligence, like, like explain, like, you know more about this shag like you you told me the connection between you know because uh, i don't even i don't even remember what this has to do with matt smith's episodes do you know what i mean like like yeah. did the great intelligence go on to do like better things than just be a, a shady guy in a tibetan monk back room like like so, like, right. like you know uh. i'll answer that question but i, I want to hit the bigger thing which was you actually uh, it, it took you like 15 minutes to get there but you hit my thesis which is <laughs> yeah this was like it was a six episode thing, which was like what, two hours and 45 minutes or whatever. And it could have been done in like two and a half parts. Like it really was. That's all that was there. It was like two and a half parts of story, a one hour thing. Like nowadays in new who this would have been like a 50 minute episode. I mean, and and you still would have hit all the major story beats. I mean, you really wouldn't have missed much at all. And you made a great point, Derek. I didn't even think about that. You're right. The bad guys of the story were the Tibetan monk warriors. I mean, they were, uh, they were the ones who were cock blocking them the whole time. So that's a yeah, great point. Yeah. So as far as what goes on, and Justin may remember this better than me, because I blocked out some of those Matt Smith episodes because they're not my favorite. But so, yeah, the great, in- great intelligence then possesses the Yetis, like you said, with Patrick Trouton and has them take over London. Uh, and that's where you meet uh, Lethbridge Stewart for the first time. So there's a big one there where they're still trying to take care, take over Earth. And then you fast forward to Matt Smith towards the end of his run and they do come to Earth. I don't even remember why. I'm just going to assume it's to take over the planet. I don't know. But it's got Stephen Grant, I think. Richard Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant playing uh, playing the great intelligence uh, mouthpiece, essentially. And they have, like, actual snowmen, like, made of snow uh, that are threatening everyone. And then creepy dudes in white, like, um, uh, skin mat, uh, skinwalker masks or whatever. Um, it, it, it leaves no impression on me whatsoever. I don't, did the great intelligence stuff with Matt Smith make any impression on you, Justin? Not really. I just remember being like, okay, Richard E. Grant, like, I like him. This is going to be great. Oh no, we're doing like a snowman thing, like actual snowman. I'm like, why, why, why wouldn't you go back to the Yeti? Like, that's so dumb. That was, that was one of the Christmas things, right? Well, it was Christmas and then it continued on into Matt Smith's last couple episodes. Okay. 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 I mean, I've, I've seen this, but I kind of, you know, some of it, it's just, you know, I, it's, it's with me when I'm watching it. And then I, it kind of immediately leaves me unless it leaves like some kind of lasting impression. And I guess, I guess it didn't, didn't hit me the same way. It's utterly forgettable. So, um, some, so some of my thoughts, uh, like, first of all, I, I, I am so, uh, ingrained in the Yeti. Like I'm, I'm so into the lore of the Yeti. I kind of forgot when we started watching it that this, the audience had to learn about the control spheres. Mm. They had to learn about the pyramid. So I, I kept thinking like, why, you know, why are they drowning this out? Just get to it, man. But yeah, I guess they had to teach the audience all the, all the trappings of the great intelligence, of the Yeti for the first time. So that's okay. Fair enough. Uh, I did. One of the things that you, you don't get from watching the animation is uh, the guy you mentioned, uh, Professor Travers. He's the the uh, the British guy with the gun, and he's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he's the explorer. The actor who played that is actually uh, the uh, his daughter plays Victoria. So in real life, 
that's her that's her dad. Victoria's dad oh, in real life is okay. Professor Travers, okay. which is cool. So they, they got to act on set together, which was a big deal. They both really love that. So that's that's kind of a special thing. I love that. Um, as far as the animation goes, like I, I do feel like they they aged down Professor Travers. I don't know if you noticed that, Justin. Like he's all like fit and he's got some physique going on. He's pretty suave. Um, and I'm like, that, that's not what that dude looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you, you'll appreciate this. So you you mentioned the, the the young monk guy who had a crush on Victoria. Thonmi is his name. And he had like that, uh, he had the top knot thing going like Gideon from X-Force. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he, did, he had a full head of hair. But the, all I could think was Gideon of X-Force the whole time I kept seeing him. <laughs> and, and is it just me, Justin? Or do you feel like they played down vicky's uh bosom in the animation because like she's she's well known for being very ample in that area and i felt like it was really reserved in the cartoon i wasn't yeah. gonna go there but <laughs> yeah hey i i still remember that the uh, fine as fuck ass from the little twirly tardis episode see that i remember so see, uh, that, that's, that's zoe. zoe maybe that's zoe all that that whatever they're, but they're, we knew exactly all, what you're talking all, about they're all they're all nice looking to me so Yes, all, all of the female companions for Trotten were drop-dead gorgeous. That is that is factual statement. But yeah, I, it de- felt like two episodes of story packed in a six-episode bag. And uh, no, I, I agree there. Like, I mean, I I like this. I did not fall asleep. The only one of these <laughs> animations I've fallen asleep through is Galaxy 4. Like, oh. I, you know, I got home from work, and I was tired, and I was like, oh, wait, I've got Galaxy 4 to watch. Oh, yeah, I can kick back and relax. Watch the first episode. Second episode starts, and then I wake up at the end of episode four, and I'm just like, "What? What happened? <laughs> oh shit! I gotta go back." And it took me a couple of times to watch it because I fell asleep at least twice watching Galaxy Four, and I'm like, "Why? Why is this happening? Like, it's Doctor Who. It's First Doctor. I like the First Doctor. It's animated. It's complete. Why? What's going on?" And I'm just like, "Maybe it's not that good." But like, I I agree with you guys. This should be like three episodes at most like i think you could like you could probably take this animation and cut out large parts of it and make maybe a more swiftly moving story i mm. i don't know like someone better skilled at editing could probably do that but yeah I, I i didn't fall asleep but there were a few times where i'm like all right i gotta pause this and i gotta i gotta get like uh some mountain dew and oh i gotta feed, i gotta feed the cat oh i need to put some laundry in the washing machine yeah i need to do that oh and i gotta go to the mailbox so that'll take 10 minutes i'm like oh i guess i need to go back to this and i kind of feel bad for saying that but it it's true it i don't think the you animation think, you think Topher grace will take some time out from editing uh star wars prequels to, to hook <laughs> us up with this shit and, and make a really tight concise uh, version of the abominable snowman uh, going back to victoria like i'll i'll i'll, I'll agree with shag i think she, i think she's beautiful i think she's gorgeous she doesn't really do much in this episode except for scream and although i know that's kind of what she's famous for mm-hmm. is, is screaming but i think it's like the last episode or maybe the last two episodes where she gets mind zonked and she keeps saying like take me away from here doctor take me away and she keeps repeating it i'm just like oh my god i want to slip my wrist if she says it one more time like it seems like all she does in this episode or this story i mean is she's nosy and she's trying to like <laughs> get in to see pat masandavak because she's so curious it's like oh you we can't let you see him it is forbidden <laughs> well i gotta go there if it's forbidden 
Right. And she gets mind zonked, and then she's screaming, and then she's knocked out. I'm like, uh, I know that she's famous for screaming, but it really doesn't do her well, any favors she, she finally She finally stops screaming when they ask her, why were you here? What were you doing here? Then she clams the fuck up and is like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and the, re- the repetitive nature of that statement over and over. Even my wife, who was on her iPad, she's like, she needs to shut up. <laughs> she, was, she was frustrated. Yeah. I will say the last two episodes, like... And that's part of the reason I said it could be two episodes. Like the last two episodes are actually really solid. Like things ramp up, things finally start happening. And so the last mm-hmm. two episodes of the animation were pretty exciting. I, I, I was impressed. I'm like, okay, I'm into this now, but I had to slog through the first four to get there. And I do like where they kind of gave her like the mantra to say over and over when she's like trying to reach for, for the board. And while Jamie and Tommy are trying to destroy all this stuff, I'm like, well, at least they gave her something to do. And it's like, it's not just she has to like reach for the board. It's like she has to concentrate on this uh, mantra that the doctor gave her so that her mind doesn't get taken over again. I'm like, uh, at least there was that. At least they mm-hmm. gave her like something worthwhile to do there at the end. But before you get to that, all the screaming and everything, I'm just like, oh, yikes, we're still there. Mm-hmm. So we're, I, I, my memory's foggy. Who, wow. Who is it? Is it Victoria or? Zoe, that's in Web of Fear. Gosh. Victoria is Victoria. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's right, because she was acting with her dad again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, it's interesting. Like, you said you felt bad about not being thrilled by this one, and I felt guilty, too. But then, if you look at the same villain in Web of Fear, that thing is damn compelling. Yeah. Uh, and not just because it was all we have a lot more of the actual footage, but even the animation is just I don't know, it's more gripping. Uh, it, it maybe it's a better story. So I think it comes down to the way the story was written. You know, Web of Fear again, same bad guys, yet it's a really great beloved episode. And you think like the location would add to it. Maybe the location does in the actual episodes because they did a lot of on location shooting. Mm-hmm. So maybe a lot of that just is doesn't translate well for like the animated feeling like it would have like a mm-hmm. better feeling like oh we're outside and it's kind of muddy and rocky yeah, that, oh there's like there's yeti over the rocks we better hide jamie when i say run right. run but then it's like oh we're we're just got like some you know flash animated characters who are like looking at another fat ewok or something yeah you lose all that that innate production value right like of, of just being on a location right and 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 that kind of atmosphere whereas the again it it, it just feels so much like a south park like oh look <laughs> we're you know we're in tibet you know type thing so i yeah i i totally see that well after watching episode two that the, the the real location footage doesn't add as much as you would hope because it's 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 a say i mean I, it's funny. I've seen pictures of the real place where they filmed it. It's beautiful in color. It's green. It's gorgeous. But like on screen in episode two, it's still like, I don't know, two steps above a rock quarry. I mean, it's it's not <laughs> that impressive. It's like, okay, there's a bunch of rocks. Oh, there's a mountain over there. Maybe. I don't know. And the, the Yeti are, they look a little better in real life, but they're still just lumbering fluff, you know? So it, it doesn't add a ton to it. But uh, anyway, uh, one thing I will say, the animation uh, putting it like the version I got is only in color. I don't know. Was there a black and white version of this as well available? I don't know. I watch it in color too, which I easily don't. Yeah. So I do think the color adds something to the animation. Cause like you and I were talking a minute ago, you lose so much facial expression. You lose so much body language, right? From animation to in person. So mm-hmm. color kind of adds back a little bit of that vividness, not a lot, but it add, like watching this in black and white, I think would have been really tough, really tough. Mm. 
You may be right about that. I don't know. I kind of prefer watching these in black and white. Like, there was one, maybe it was Evil of the Daleks or Power. I forget, but I kind of, like, wasn't into it. And I was like, again, kind of like Galaxy 4, I was like, I should be into this. And I kind of went to the TV and then I turned it to black and white and watched it. And I was like, oh, I think that's kind of better. I don't know. It's like, I'm a big fan of the old uh, soap opera Dark Shadows. Okay. And it, start, it starts out in black and white. Mm-hmm. And when it gets to color, it it feels wrong. And I don't know <laughs> if it's because, like, Dark Shadows had an even smaller budget than Doctor Who. It's like you got the bat dangling on the string and the sets are wobbling and everything. I'm just like, it gets to color and I I feel like it's lost something. So I went again and turned it to black and white. And then eventually I was like, all right, I guess I have to go along with this color bullshit now. But I, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's that's what was weird about. I, I remember, you know, watching the adventures of superman and for years they would show a lot of the episodes in black and white just period but then you realize when you're watching them on dvd like i i forget i think it was from like the second season on or something you know they were shot in four color but you know i guess having the foresight for that but you know when when most of them aired originally on tv it was a bunch of black and white televisions anyway right like so mm-hmm. you you i i see what you're saying like you you do you do become accustomed to certain things. And then, you know, the 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 way that, you know, it, it's kind of like what we're always talking about. I mean, to me, those early Doctor Who episodes, the special effects, the models, the whatever, like it's all very charming. And then, you know, a smaller TV screen in black and white, you know, it, you know, in, a, you know, the, the, the TV, you know, four by three aspect ratio, you know, you you can be very forgiving, like you said, for strings on wires, whether it's, you know, George Reese flying as Superman, whether it's a fucking bat in Dark Shadows or whether it's some, you know, little space shuttle that's floating around because Doctor Who just landed on planet, you know, salt sprinkles or wherever the hell Hartnell went to that week. Right. And, and you're just like, oh, OK, like I'm I'm more forgiving of this because of of the the way it's presented like it's it's maybe a little easier to uh, i i think you know what you were getting at justin to immerse yourself in in the the world and the episode and everything like that and that's you know i mean i guess what we're trying to get at is that's a delicate balance right because there 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 are a lot of things in this that can easily you know just going to the the extreme, right? A telesnip, you, you can't immerse yourself in a telesnip, right? Like, or at least I feel like I can't. I can't. I can't make that leap, right? Like, you guys love this so much, you sat through it. It, it reminds me of me like watching uh, raw, unsubtitled, like Headmaster VHS tapes, or <laughs> you know, like subjecting yourself to something because you're just like, oh, I love this. It doesn't matter that there's this this huge barrier for me to experience it. I still want to experience it. Whereas I'm not, I'm not quite as, uh, connected. I don't, I don't have the length and the breadth and the depth of your fandom. You know, I'm just kind of joining you guys for the ride and, and maybe trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know, what, maybe one day I'll be able to say, all right, I I've seen all the classic who like, yay for me, like eventually, but, but, you know, as far as, um, retaining it, remembering it, being able to, pull up, you know, episode titles out of my ass and, and, and remember like, you know, these key plot points and maybe how they relate to, you know, uh, you know, Matt Smith or tenant or whoever like that, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I'll, I'll be at that, you know, I don't think I'll ever be that capable, but like, that's, that's one of those 
things where I think you guys like at least you you are of that caliber. So like there there's something for you to get out of the the telesnips. And then I think you know with the the animated stuff, it's like you know like you're saying, Justin, you 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 tried to fashion it in a way that was the most uh, palatable to you. Like like if if the colors too too stark, too bright, too in your face. You're like, oh, I'll watch this in black and white. And that might, you know, it, it kind of l- lulls you into that sense of like, yeah, this is this is kind of what it would have been like. Like, this is kind of what I remember, you know, type thing. So, and, and sometimes with like the gray tones and the washes and the things like that, depending on how they animate it, like, you know, sometimes th- that's even an art in and of itself, right? So, I mean, I guess it depends on how it's, you know, even that specifically is presented as well. I mean, I know with this, it's it'd just be kind of like, you know, flipping a switch, and you, you'd still have some of the same problems. But I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe like Shag says, maybe it would be more of a chore if if it was in black and white. Like I I don't really know. Like I mean, I figure you know, for me, once is enough. Like I don't. I, I guess that's that's something to point out, right? Like I don't I don't think this is something I would revisit whereas i probably would tell you like once i completed like you know my personal goal is to get through all the tom baker stuff and 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 catch up and do all the fifth doctor episodes and by the time i get to that last fifth doctor episode i will have bridged the gap that i sort of started working on since since justin made me watch my first doctor who episodes which was what like 10 years ago or something i don't know that was a long ass time ago but I, you know, I, I will have completed that. And I think having maybe achieved that, like I could tell you, oh, you know what? It'd be fun to revisit, you know, episode X, Y, and Z. Like I, I like the Ice Warriors. I'll watch another one. You know, I'll rewatch some of those. I like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the Centaurans. Like I'll rewatch, you know, uh, 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 you know, people beating up Centaurans or having a fight with them or whatever. Like, but, you know, th- if it comes to this and somebody's like, Hey dude, do you want to rewatch that animated abominable snowman? I'll be like, no, that's cool. I'll re-listen to our, our episode on this and laugh about it, but I don't think I'll watch it again. Like I, this is the second time I've watched the animated abominable snowman. I don't know that I would sit down and watch it again. Like some of these other animations like moon base, you know, shout out to you, Shaggy, you like that. Woo! And Mocker Terra, even the faceless ones. Like I think I've watched animated faceless ones like three times. They're, I know that's like kind of like a lower tier regarded story, but something about that I, I just really like. But a lot of these, like, I'll sit down and watch multiple times, but this is only the second time I've watched Abominable Snowman. So maybe that says more about it than than I than, it, than I guess it is in my head. I don't know. Well, for me, like, I, I, similar to you guys, I don't know that I'd watch this one again. But I, to say something positive about it is that it, it still brought me joy in that Trotton's voice – and um, the, the, the actor plays Jamie McCurman. Their, their voices carried so much of the performance mm. that I still got a ton out of that. It was a lot of fun. And I love the Yeti so much, that, like ridiculously so, that it, it's exciting to me to see their origins. Because, I again, w- Web of Fear, I will sit down and watch again and again and again, which is the second one after this. Then, like, I've got in front of me right now a book. Uh, I'm a big fan of reading Doctor Who books. There's a specific line of Doctor Who books called the Lethbridge Stewart books, which are all about the Brigadier and his life outside of Doctor Who. And the very first one was called The Forgotten Son, and it's all about him as a kid and some of his experiences, and he ends up dealing with a Yeti again. 
And so it's a, it, it, I, I love any time, like the, the Yeti show up in the five doctors, you know, that, so I get so excited with these characters. I love the whole idea of them. And so it made me very happy to finally experience the origin of them. Again, probably won't revisit. That's okay. Uh, I think it was a lot of fun and, and I'm glad I did it. And it's, again, it's always a joy to hear Trotton's performance. He's just gold. Have you listened to the, the big Finish audio story secrets of Dead sin, which is kind of a prequel to this? Secrets of Sandwich. I've listened to a whole bunch of Big Finish, so uh, help me out here. Who, which which Doctor was that one? Uh, Secrets of Debt Sand. It's the uh, first Doctor, Stephen and Dodo. Oh, uh, okay. See, all right. So where you love Hartnell, Hartnell is unfortunately kind of at the bottom of my favorites. So, <laughs> well, I have a lot of Hartnell from Big Finish. I have like everything they put out from two thousand from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand thirteen. I have. Pretty much everything. Uh, beyond that, I got real choosy after a while. Um, and so there's a lot of the first Doctor stuff I don't have. So no, I probably, unless it came out before 2013, I probably did not hear that. I'm not sure when it came out, but um, if you like, uh, actually, I don't think the Yeti are in it. But basically, it sets up this story. You know, it's like at the beginning of this story, the Doctor has the Huliganta and he has to, like, take it back. It's like, well, this is how, like, he, this is his first uh, journey to the monastery and he meets mm. all these guys and he, he okay. ends up leaving with the Ganta and all that stuff. So it, it kind of sets all this up, but that's kind of cool. got it. Um, you know, instead of like Victoria, like snooping around and going where she shouldn't, it's kind of like Dodo snooping around and, you know, kind of, I don't know. I think the story kind of like is trying to do like damage control for Dodo because she's not like the most well-regarded uh, right. companion in some circles. Right. So it's kind of like, well, Dodo's not that bad. Like she did this. She went to the <laughs> monastery before anyone else did. They've done a lot for her character recently because they're doing those new episodes uh, by Big Finish where Stephen Noonan plays the first doctor and Lauren Cornelius is playing Dodo. And they're very specifically creating new adventures for those two. And they've done a lot to uh, really uh, expand Dodo's popularity, I think. Yeah, I, I enjoy that because um I don't know maybe one of my uh, controversial takes would be um I, I kind of feel like Dodo is a better companion than Susan, so you can throw tomatoes at me and pitchforks or whatever. But like, I, I for it's it's Vicky for me, man. So like I'm not throwing pitchforks at you, but I'm just like, dude, do you want bland or bland? No, I'll take <laughs> Vicky. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Steve or Steven. Steven's actually the uh, for me. Steven is the the first Doctor's companion. I think he's fantastic. Steven and Vicky and the Doctor and Hartnell together are, are like my dream team. That's a really good team. I do like Steven a lot. I, I I usually don't like companions who argue with the Doctor, like you know Tegan, which I know you love Tegan, but like oh yeah, I I like the way Steven will talk back to the Doctor, but he will also like. It's like he'll listen to him when it's convenient, but he'll also like go off and do his own thing. But I don't know. I think I think I think Stephen walks that fine balance for me, where he's like he'll do his own thing, but he'll also listen if it suits his own purpose. It's kind of like Jamie, actually, kind of similar the way you described it, at least. Yeah, Derek has no idea what we're talking about. No, I, I I'm following. You're talking about Dodo, <laughs> and you're talking about Susan. And- <laughs> You're getting tomatoes thrown at you because you don't like Susan and you I, like Dodo better. I, I'm I not a fan of Susan. Even in the Five Doctors, she has to like hurt her ankle. I'm like, oh, the first time I watched that, I was like, oh, come on, really? Dude, She's <laughs> the scenes where, Do- where where Susan is eyeing Peter Davison, being like, mm, my grandpa's a tall drink of water. <laughs> like that's awkward. That's like uh, not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um. 
I mean, that... What, what happens that makes me after think like, regeneration stays? That, after what, however <laughs> the place goes? I don't know. That, that makes me think of, like, discovering that, like, Kirk Spock slash fic was a thing that existed. I was like, what's this story? Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go in that direction with, like, you know, Susan and the Doctor or anything. That I did not know slash fic was a thing. Uh, and then in 1996, when I first got on the Internet... I had a, I had a computer and a printer, and by golly, I was going to find extra Doctor Who to read. And I found this really long Paul McGann Doctor Who story, and I downloaded it, and I, I'm printing this thing out with my dot matrix printer. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, like in 100 pages or something. And then I started reading it, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? This is not Doctor Oh, my God, this is not Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, so I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, so I, I, I got so. Of the animations, let's take let's take the invasion off the off the off the table simply because it is such a different style of animation. If you had to pick your favorite of all the animated stories, what would you pick? I don't know. I well, really about- like I really like the Reign of Terror. I don't know. I mm. you know it's like uh, the they say it's the Doctor's favorite era. I don't know. I feel like it's it's just the first Doctor. But there's something about that story. See, I, I've that you know that's one of those stories. It's like what. Only two of those episodes are animated, but I think it works really well. Like I think that animation style complements the live action. But I've watched that story five or six times at least. So that's one of those that I keep going back to. Like I really like it. I mean, I love history. So I like I would read a book about the Reign of Terror and then I would, you know, I would easy easily watch, you know, Doctor Who goes to like that era of time. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Sign me up. But um that or i don't know the web of fear is really good too yeah and 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 i'm with you i do like Moonbase. i i think that's a really good story which i like cybermen anyway i mean Mm -hmm. i I like attack of the cybermen you can throw tomatoes at me i know that's not like the greatest story or or even like the greatest cybermen story but i'm like i don't know there's something about it i really appreciate like this definitely my my favorite like Live action six doctor story. I think you, you, I don't you deserve think. you deserve rotten tomatoes thrown at you for liking Attack of the Cybermen. I, I know, I'll take it. I know people don't like that, but I'm just like, but it's a Cyberman and they're back, you know, they're back at the tomb and, and you know and, uh it's okay. I'll take the tomatoes. So if you like historicals, I got I do have a recommendation for you. So there's a book called The Roundheads, which is uh it's a Patrick Trotton book. And it's written by Mark Gatiss, who, you know, pretty famous, uh, Sherlock and uh, Doctor Who and a million other things, a League of Gentlemen, all that stuff. Uh, Mark Gatiss wrote The Roundheads, and it's a historical. And out of all the Doctor Who books written of the Second Doctor era, it probably captures the Second Doctor the best. And I went into it very, like, uh, I'm not really that interested in reading this, but someone told me I should. And I loved it. I couldn't put it down. So I absolutely found it fascinating. Okay. Um the area of Doctor Who novels is something I feel like I've only scratched the surface. I've read maybe less than a dozen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like every now and then I'm like, I should read more Doctor Who. And I'll get something off eBay really cheap. But I I kind of stick to the, you know, the classic era doctors. Like mm-hmm. I've um, um, what's the what's the, you probably know. There's a novel about the 11th Doctor meeting the Ice Warriors. Like I really like that. But, oh, um, that was that, well. That was Andy Landing. So I mean, that's yeah. part of the reason. So the the silent stars go by. That was a great yes. book. 
I really like that. But usually if there's a Doctor Who book, I'm like, who is it? It's the 10th Doctor. And Martha, I'm like, eh, do you have anything in like the third Doctor or something like that? And I'll, I'll look. Like I'll just type in on eBay Doctor Who novels, third Doctor, and see if anything comes up. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it's like, you can get this book, but it's out of print, and it's $50. Okay, right. no, thank you. I guess I won't read it. Yeah. I, uh, if you want to dive into Doctor Who novels at some point, let me know. I can give you some recommendations. I am, I'm, I've got, I don't even know, probably 500 Doctor Who books at this point. I don't even know. I, I'm a huge fan of Probably of all my fandoms, Doctor Who is my biggest fandom, and Doctor Who books specifically is where I find my most joy. I feel like I tried to dabble with... Derek can't uh, read, so we, he's... All yeah, I, I can't read. I, I feel like I tried to dabble with... Um, some of those early uh, Hartnell strips and things like oh like, gosh those know, comic strips <laughs> yeah like st- stuff like that and then you know I I know when you were you know revisiting you know the Dave Gibbons stuff like I've I've probably you know read an issue or two of that as well um, I for some reason I'm kind of fascinated like I I was I was I was looking through like scans of um, Doctor Who magazine because i was just trying to match up like i saw you know oh oh, there there are some doctor who pages for sale and i was just like curious i was like well where's this published and it's like oh it's published in you know doctor who magazine so some of it was you know some of it was gibbons and some of it was like other artists and things like that that sort of fascinated me but i was gonna ask you shag because this i don't know too much about i only you know it's, it's like one of those things i read about online but i don't know anything about it like I know you're a big Eighth Doctor guy. Like, w- weren't there like all kinds of like, like comic adventures with the Eighth Doctor, so like it, where he it, had all kinds of companions and and did all kinds of stuff. So even though he was only had the one TV movie, so you mm-hmm. could argue he's the shortest Doctor. You could also argue he's the longest Doctor because he technically had the job from 1996 to 2005 till they brought in Christopher Eccleston. So he actually had sort of kind of the longest tenure is the doctor and they crammed a ton of stuff out in that era you got a, a zillion audio dramas from big finish which they're still making today yeah. uh, with with paul mcgann and they're fantastic the comic strips uh where doctor who magazine started doing eighth doctor comic strips and they kept doing it all the way to 2005 so there's a ton of eight doctor comic now they've been collected in some like graphic novels as well but they okay. appeared as like eight page strips per in per month yeah yeah so you'll find some nice bounded editions as well out there from eight doctors there's a lot of those comics as well titan did a, a one issue or a, a one couple miniseries with eighth doctor um there's 73 novels with the eighth doctor they started in, in again in 1996 they started or 97 really they started doing original novels they were doing like one a month all featuring the eighth doctor and those went on until 2005 uh, when, they, when the show came back so there is probably and maybe i'm wrong but there's probably more original you know, uh, outside of canon stuff for the eighth doctor than any other of the doctors. And then do you like, I guess, like, say, say, like I said, you know, Justin's right. I'm not going to read any books, but I'm <laughs> still going to, I'm still going to ask like, like if, if there was an eighth doctor book or, or a specific arc of the comic strip or collection or something like, is there something where like, cause I know you, you, to me, I feel like you do. I know you say the fifth doctor is your favorite, but every time the eighth doctor comes up, you're always very like, you know, you know, yay eighth doctor <laughs> type thing, right? You're a proponent. So like, what like what would you like if I if I'm cure if I'm eighth doctor curious 
Like, wh- wh- what are you telling me to like, oh, you got to read if, if you're not going to read anything else, like go read this comic strip arc, go read this novel. Sure, sure. So for starters, I, I the nice thing is Eighth Doctor's probably my favorite, but I can say because he's not part of the classic series, he's not part of the new series. He lives in the middle. So while I say Peter Davison's my favorite from the classic series, mm, Paul McGann's probably my favorite overall. So it's fair. Um, if if you're just want to pick one thing, I'll, I'll give you one for each medium. Okay, for audio, Chimes of Midnight. It's a it's an audio story featuring Paul McGann and his companion Charlie, and it's moving. It will put you to, te- to maybe not you. I mean, you're dead inside. But most people, it will put them <laughs> to tears. Uh, it is powerful and it's fantastic. It's called Chimes of Midnight. It's an incredible audio. Uh, then for comics, I would recommend you just pick up the Panini trade paperbacks. There's only four, so pick up the first one. It's called Endgame. And uh, in fact, if I remember right, I think it's got the Celestial Toymaker in it, if I remember correctly. So I would pick up Endgame for the Eighth Doctor comic. This is a collection of comic strips. It's a great bundle of those. Or if you're if they're a little pricey, you could always pick up the, the four-issue Titan miniseries that they published with the Eighth Doctor. That's another option. Or books. If there's one book you're going to pick up, I would pick up Alien Bodies. It changed the entire direction of Doctor Who books probably forever because, like, Doctor Who books were kind of formulaic, rinse, repeat. And this guy named Lawrence Miles writes a book that blew everyone's mind. And then Stephen Moffat stole a whole bunch of it for Matt Smith's last couple episodes. He actually, I don't know if he's ever come out and admitted it, but, I mean, the last couple episodes of Matt Smith, a lot of the plot was stolen from this Alien Bodies book. And uh, it just, it's a fantastic novel. So there's one thing for each medium to try out. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Justin? So, like, if if you do the entire run of Doctors, and not just limiting yourself to classic, you can throw in the eighth, you can throw in the new who, who's your favorite Doctor, and what would you pick one extra media thing for someone to check out? I don't know. <clears throat> we'll start with who's your favorite Doctor. I guess I would go with the second Doctor. Trouton? Out. Yeah, I, I don't okay. know. Derek can Derek can tell you like I have a hard time like settling on like oh this is my favorite. Like I usually go like this is my favorite, and also these others are my favorite. I don't know. <laughs> I, and if you ask me like a month from now, I might tell you you know the third Doctor or something. I don't know. It, sure, it's, I can see that. Um, I, as far as books, have I read any second Doctor well, books? It doesn't have to be books. I mean, even if it's just a favorite episode, you know, like whatever it is, what is what's something you zero in on? And, you know, maybe it maybe it is Reign of Terror, you know, whatever, or or or, or maybe it's this one, Bible Swimming. Something that you zoom you you hone in and you go, there. That is that thing right there gives me joy, whatever it might be. For the second doctor, I guess it would have to be invasion. Oh, that's a good one. Um as far as second doctor audiobooks, I know I've listened to some, but Nothing is coming to my mind right now. Maybe I just haven't listened to a whole lot of like the past companion or past doctor audiobooks. Like I've listened to a lot of Eighth Doctor and mm-hmm. quite a bit of like Seventh Doctor audiobooks and some of the first Doctor stuff. But like I know I've listened to some Second Doctor books where like Fraser Hines is doing like the voice of the Doctor mm-hmm. and he does a pretty good job. But like something that stands out from that, like I didn't, nothing really comes to my mind. 
Yeah, I can't. The problem is I can never remember the names of these stuff anymore. Like the old stuff that I that I grew up with, I still remember the names. The stuff I, I consume nowadays, I don't remember the names of any of it. But yeah, those Companion Chronicles with Fraser Hines doing the voice of the Doctor, I I really liked those. And uh, so those those are a great recommendation. They did some sets too, where you could buy like a set of Companion Chronicles, and they had like four stories in there or something like that. And uh, those were great. Yeah, good good call. Like like there's a big finish audio. It's um. The one where like Sarah Kingdom comes back, but she's like in she's like the AI of a house or something. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? yeah, like, that yeah. one's really good. Those are was, really good. I was like, wait, so she's not dead, but she's a house. That sounds so bizarre. I have to listen to it. And I was like, you know what? Good job. That was actually really good. And I had like major doubts going into that one. That was a great way to bring her back. That was yeah. really cool. I, I and, you know, never having seen Dalek Master Plan, I didn't expect anything out of it. No, wait a minute. That's never been animated, has it? Dalek Master Plan? Nope. See, all right. So that's that's a crime. Dalek Master Plan was like the first massive crossover they did. Twelve, like twelve episodes long. You know, it was this huge Dalek, supposed to be sweeping saga, and it's never been adapted. Now, I will tell you, like I, Gary Russell is one of the guys that does a lot of these animations. I've listened to him at Gallifrey One, and he's talked about the fact that these animations are expensive. Even though they're doing the Flash stuff, they're expensive, and they don't really generate a lot of money to merit it. So, like, they, they can't really sell the DVDs of them. They don't make enough money off it. They could make an animation and just throw it on one of these Blu-ray sets, right, for a whole season, but it's not bringing any additional revenue in to pay for the creation of all the animation. So th that's the trouble with the animations is they've, they've been canceled a few times where they said, we're not doing it anymore. And then they get brought back and then we're not doing it anymore. Then it gets brought back, but it's because it's so expensive. So at some point, I, I don't know if we will get everything animated. It feels like we should, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like we're at least in the States, Dr. Who would be on Disney plus, like maybe they'll throw them like a little bit of money so that they can have like more content. It's like, Oh, well, regular Dr. Who is off the air for the next like, six months but make sure to tune in like a month from now and you can watch uh celestial toy maker the animation only on disney plus like i could see that happening i hope they give everyone like big eyes like little mermaid or something oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know when it comes to disney plus i don't know if we're gonna get all the old stuff we might just get the new stuff they haven't they've been a little sketchy on what mm. we're getting over here okay. uh, so we don't know for sure at least at this point at, at the time of this recording let's put it that way well, I've exhausted my notes, Shag, so if you want to jump to page seven, paragraph two of yours, we can keep this rolling. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have some fun, folks, and you want some more Yeti, seek out a 1990s independent film, right? Uh, it was made by a little company. I think it was BBV, if I remember the name. And it was called Downtime. I've seen that. You have? Okay. So yeah. they brought they brought together the Brigadier. They brought together uh, Vicky. And oh gosh, I, I want to say someone else. I don't recall. Was but it they, Sarah Jane? Was she, she in that one, or was she in the other one? She might have been in that one. I can't remember. I own it somewhere in VHS in a box underneath the, the bed or something. But they they bring them together. They battle the Yeti. Uh, so you get to see more Yeti. They actually that is the introduction uh, or first appearance of Lethbridge's daughter, and her name is Kate. She's a very different character than Kate Stewart that we know from the new series, but it is the first appearance of his daughter named Kate. So I, there's arguments about where that character first appeared uh, because of that. But uh, it's, you know, for, if you're if you're cool with low budget stuff, it's, you know, hey, it's a chance to revisit the Yeti and you get to see the Brigadier in Victoria and, uh, and maybe Sarah Jane, if we can remember right. <laughs> That's one of those things I discovered like early in my like 
you know, perusing of Doctor Who in general, I, I found that on, uh, I think, Daily Motion. And I was like, mm. what is this? Is this real? And I started looking up and, and or digging into it. And I was like, okay, so it's got the real actors, but it's not authorized. But it's got, what? like, the support of, like, the people who created the Yeti. So I was like, so it's semi-real. Okay, well, I'll watch it because I like the Yeti. That sounds pretty cool. So Brit- British rights are so weird. They are. Because, like, the rights remain with the person who wrote the story. So, like, I mentioned to you earlier a, a Doctor Who book that's about the Brigadier that's got the Yeti in it. So the deal there is they got the rights from the people who wrote Abominable Snowman and Web of Fear to use the Brigadier and to use the Yeti. So it is a legitimately a legal book, but they can't say Doctor Who anywhere on it because they don't have permission from BBC. But BBC doesn't own the Brigadier. BBC doesn't own the Yeti. These other writers do. So it'd be like Chris Claremont owning Nightcrawler, but Marvel Comics doesn't. It's, it's like that kind of equivalent. It's so strange. Although I guess Claremont, Len Wein created Nightcrawler. Anyway, you get the idea. Um, it's such a strange way for rights to be done. So the auto, like the, the, that downtime movie, they got permission from not BBC, but the people who created it. Then there's other movies like Auton. I don't know if you saw the Auton movies. There's like three of those. Uh, again, they got permission from the writer, not from BBC. Mike smells, smells like circuit breaker to me, Shag. Smells like (laughs) circuit breaker to me. Has, so has circuit breaker appeared in Marvel comics outside of transformers? Yeah, she's owned by Marvel Comics. That's that's the whole weirdness about right, it. Right, but I'm saying, but has she come back though? Outside of Transformers, though. Uh, see, they what they tried to do because they had the regeneration issues. Like they had uh, Circuit Smasher, which was Spike as Circuit Breaker, but they couldn't. You see, they couldn't use Circuit Breaker. You know what I mean? So that's what that, I'm asking. Yeah. Was, so who owns the, the character? Yeah, it's Marvel like it's does. like yeah. it's like Bug from Micronauts. Yeah. You know, like. He's based on a character from the action figures, but it's different enough that Marvel owns that one, not whoever owns Micronauts that week. Yeah. Well, this, I, you know, I, I feel guilty because we came at this with love in our hearts to talk about this and then we beat it up pretty badly. (laughs) So I feel pretty bad about it because I just want to give the Yeti a big hug. I do. (laughs) Dude, the Yeti's cool. I'll, I'll rewatch that, uh, you know, where, where they invaded the subway station with Lethbridge Stewart. Like, I, I, I understand why you appreciate that. Like, even when you said we were going to watch this, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember those snowmen. Like, those are cool villains. Like, like I mean, there's no, you know, there's no uh, malice in my heart for the snow. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. th- that's, you know, th- th- that's all good stuff. I, 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 I mean, I think even that's why I kind of you know, called the uh, the monks the real bad guys because they're the ones that made everything uh, bureaucratic, red tape, and boring. Do you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> it's like if if we, if we just had some snowmen and and some doctor action, I think uh, you know that you know that like you said those those last couple episodes, like that's when everything kind of went full tilt. You know, so I do, you know, and and again, just talking about in general, right? Celebrating the sixtieth. 60th anniversary like you know talking about like what your what your favorite stuff is and 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 you know the the recommendations you have or or you know the the paths you you know this is my favorite doctor this is justin's favorite doctor like all that kind of stuff i think is celebratory and not you know you shouldn't to me i'm like i don't i don't think anybody should feel bad i mean like to me i'm like look we're just being honest like this this episode is is worth it for hardcore Doctor Who fans to have an opportunity to watch something beyond the telesnip 
but you know, like you said, for your average, you know, for, for, for your wife, that's not a hardcore fan. It's like, well, she'll, you know, maybe she'll look up from the tablet every once in a while or whatever. And maybe she'll get into it when you put on the live action one, but we're just being straight with everybody that's listening. Like this is not this, if you're going to watch an animation, listen to the recommendations that, that, you know, Shag and Justin said, you know, Web of Fear and, you know, the, the other animations that, that we brought up. But, you know, this is just we're just being honest. This isn't the one that's going to knock your socks off. Right. Like this is for the hardcore fans. Well, Justin, I think the biggest uh, triumph of this recording is you saying the, the Padma thingy, whatever's name correctly. So you got to you got to work that into your closing here, buddy. Hmm. I don't know. Derek usually like does the thing that signs us off. But um. If you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on various places on the internet, please do so. Oh, sure thing. You can find me at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of the network, and I've got a few shows over there, including Justice League International, Bwahaha Podcast, who Derek has appeared on in the past and will appear again before it's over. Uh, I've got the Once Upon a Geek Podcast, where I talk about whatever I want to talk about. Uh, might be comic books, might be sci-fi, might be Ted Lasso, could be anything. Uh, Derek has appeared on there talking about some stuff from V. And my other show is Justice Society Presents, uh, which is a show where I'm going to be going through a whole bunch of JSA comics from the 90s and the 2000s once a month. And uh, that coverage is really going to start ramping up in uh, about half a year once I finish up my Justice League International show. And you can find me online as Once Upon a Geek all over the place. Once you're done wahahaing, then you can start JSAing, right? Exactly, that's, that's right. That's how it works. Cool. Well, it's cool. it's my available time for producing podcasts. Yeah. These things take time. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. We're we're well aware. All right. Well, I I think this is going to wrap up the 60th anniversary retrospective, and uh, we hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to tell us who your favorite companion is and why we're all duty heads for having our own favorite companions, I'm ready for the tomatoes because I took a photo with my favorite companion. I'm not dead inside. I took a photo with Clara, and I liked it. Ooh. So there. Um, Send us your angry emails at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to check out the backlog of episodes, you can direct download proper Fanholes Podcast episodes over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And we're on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, X, all these crazy things. And then, uh, you know, we can be streamed. And I'm not going to tell you where because fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm tired of this shit. It keeps changing. Anyway, we're, I'm, I'm going to say the we are on all available podcatchers, which is patently false. But we're there. Find us. No, just I, I guess I should do the, the thing where it's like, dude, just look up fan holes. Type in fan holes. Wait, are you, are, are, you on, are. are you on Stitcher? Well, Stitcher doesn't exist. Wait, wait, are you, on, are you on Google Podcasts? Google Podcasts is going away, <laughs> and it's going to be replaced with YouTube Podcasts, which I can only assume will instantly copyright claim, like, the last 10 years of our podcasts. Can I find you on a tin can and string? Possibly. Okay. Very, very possibly. Can, can, I, can I find Justin, and I should have said this earlier, can I find Justin mm -hmm. on an upcoming episode of Once Upon a Geek also talking about Doctor Animations? Oh my Absolutely. god. Absolutely. If, if, if you want to continue the Trek to uh, uh, discuss Trek, Trek, the... Trek's, Trek's a whole other show. Don't get that yeah, confused. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you, if, well, what am I supposed to say? If you, 
Who wants to continue listening? <laughs> How about that? Who wants to continue listening to the 60th anniversary celebration? They should go to Once Upon a Geek, and uh, Justin's going to be making an appearance there to continue this discussion. So, spoilers, or or maybe maybe Doctor Whoian, like maybe. you'll have already heard this by the time you're hearing this and you're like, why are you telling me to go listen to something? I've already listened to Doctor Who mind blown. Timey wimey. Wibbly wobbly. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, This is Derek. Derek WC signing off. This is Justin signing off. Derek, take me away from here. Take me away. Take me away. This is the Irredeemable Shag signing off. I don't have a clever catchphrase. That's okay. You don't always have to have a clever catchphrase. Sometimes we're thankful when you just sign off because sometimes Tony spends like 40 minutes coming up with his clever catchphrase and never actually signs off. I was looking forward to this and then. um, But then uh, you remember who it's with. So. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. It's with. (laughs) Well, I was cursing you because I was like, God damn it. Why is your name got to start with S? I got to scroll all the way down to add you on this stupid. It's Skype's fault, not your fault. Oh, so so hard. So hard. I was like, well, dude, I've got like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a a super important big time Skyper, right? I've got like all these like A through S's before I get to you. So, you know, it's like it's tough. I know. I I like to make things difficult. It's tough to scroll that that index finger all the way down and then click (sighs) that. I hear for high rollers that the fingers yeah. don't work as well anymore. Yeah, 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 that's true. It's true. You got to keep smashing that bid button, and then, and then you, you get. Uh, it's not Street Fighter thumb. You get uh, Heritage Auction Index Finger <laughs> thumb, or whatever the fuck we decide to call it. I don't know. What are we Listen, gonna do? I got freaks nine days out of the week. I can give them. I'll get seven days in a week. Man, you ain't big pump. I'm the big bad booty daddy. This is nonstop. Now listen, English.